Okay. So this sikh uh, I want to learn is based on the um, Haftorah that we just read this past Shabbos, and which discusses the theme of the of the three weeks. Our sages say that the days of the three weeks are alluded to in the words of the prophet of Yirmiyahu, where Hashem tells Yirmiyahu about the destruction of the first temple and about the Babylonian exile. It says in that in that Haftorah, uh, those words of the prophecy, I see a almond staff. So the Talmud says that it takes an almond 21 days for it to ripen from the day that it is planted. And... Um, Oh, not, they have buds. They have buds until it's ready. It takes 21 days. And those 21 days correspond to the 17 days from the 17th of Tammuz till 9th of Av, from the day that the, the uh, walls of Jerusalem were breached until the temple was destroyed. There are also 21 days which are, are parallel to the uh, 21 days of the ripening of the almond. On the surface, it seems that the reason why the ripening of the almonds alludes to the three weeks is just because they both have the same number. They both are 21. But everything in Torah is precise. There must be also some inner connection between the days, the, the ripening of the almond and the, um, and the three weeks. So we're going to explain this based upon the words of the Mishnah. Mishnah says there are two kinds of almonds. There are bitter almonds and there are sweet almonds. Bitter almonds are sweet when they're small, and they become bitter when they grow. And sweet almonds, it's the opposite. They're sweet when they grow, but when they're smaller, they're bitter, and only after they completely ripen do they become sweet. So the Raghachavar explains that the main name almond, kshkedim, is a reference to the large, the, the almonds which are, which are, which become sweet. And those which are sweet only when they're small have a different name. They're called luzim. So it comes out that the theme of a shake, the theme of an almond, and the impact of the 21 days of ripening is to transform that which is bitter to become sweet. The theme of the 21 days of the ripening of the almond is about the transformation, the bitter to sweet. And that's very in sync with the theme of what we're supposed to be doing in these days, our goal over here in the three weeks is not just to take away the bitterness of these these days, but more, like the Ramam says regarding um, all the days that we fast for now, the Ramam says Mashiach will come, not only will we stop fasting for them, but those days will be Yom Yom Tev, they'll be holidays. I heard once, I don't know where this comes from, the, 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 I don't know which either part of the idea comes from it, but the, 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 the idea is like this. It says that when Mashiach will come, uh, so I heard this saying goes like this. I think you told this to me, actually. People think that Mashiach will come, there will be a yontif of Shavasarotamaz, a yontif of Tishabav, and the days in between will be Cholomait. But the real way it goes is, Tishabah will be Yantav, Shavasabatamas will be Yantav. And so the whole year in between Shavasabatamas and Tishabah, uh, Tishabah and Shavasabatamas rather, those days will be a Cholmeid. It will be Yantav all year and Cholmeid in between. So um, so the theme of, um, 
of the. Uh, Sorry, you want those doors open? Yeah. Uh, oh, these doors? No, not these doors. Uh, I might have been that door. Uh, these, these, these doors? No. That'd be great. Thank you very much. Um, so, so the goal of the of the of the three weeks is not just to take away negativity; it's to transform those days into yom tev. So that explains why uh, Hashem promises or pro- tells Yirmiyot to prophesy about the destruction of the base of and he tells him that I am diligent. The word diligent is also related to the word almond shakadati, which means to be diligent, to be focused on getting something done, is related to the word almond. The way related to the word almond, the reason why Hashem uses that word is because Hashem wants it to be a a, a transformation from the speed of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash to a speed in the positive sense of the coming of Mashiach. Uh, Okay, this will help us understand another detail in this prophecy. The allusion to the three weeks from the almond staff is from the speed of how it grows. So if the purpose of the, of the analogy of the almond was to tell us that it takes 21 days for it to ripen and so quick for it to ripen, so why do we need an almond staff? just need almonds. He should have seen in his in his in his uh, prophecy almonds. Why does he dafka see? What does he specifically see in almond staff? Uh, what he actually saw was he saw a staff, and the staff was growing almonds. Is that the way almonds grow? No. So that means the staff itself, without any leaves, without any uh, without huh? Without any roots. Yeah, and uh, there was no branches. Uh, why didn't you just see a branch of almonds? A branch of almonds. So, so, so the answer is like this. The word staff is associated with getting hit. A, a staff is used uh, to, to smite someone. So this represents the unfortunate events that Hashem uh, gave a punishment and calamities happened to a sheeple during these days. That's the simple reason. But that explanation doesn't satisfy us because... The main purpose of the prophecy was not that Hashem was going to smite us. The point is that, that the, the point of the almond was it's going to happen very quickly. And it's going to be destruction in 21 days. From the 17th of Tammuz, when the walls are breached until the destruction of the temple, will happen very quickly. And the, um, when Hashem actually tells Yirmiyahu what's going to happen, he hasn't even mentioned the things that are going to happen in, in this verse. He just says, he just sees the almond, and, and to say that this is really going to happen, it's going to happen swiftly. So it should have, um, he, he should have actually seen the budding of an almond or something. He should have seen a branch with an almond. By the way, these are the kind of questions that you wanted to ask when you were in fourth grade. Like, and a teacher would say you can't ask these questions, because it's such a good question, but like you think there's some questions now to ask. This is, you see it throughout the Kutasichas, that the Rebbe asks a question that, 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 it's an obvious question. We think it's like against the rules to ask these questions. Um, uh, so, so, so that, and that's why we have the almond staff in the dream because the almond staff represents the speed of Hashem's words. Okay, so why, why, why the staff? It's an almond staff. You know, how, how do your fourth grade teacher answer that? It's, it's, it's an almond staff. It represents yeah, but there's no. We thought that almonds grow on staffs. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so what's the? So he should have seen an, an almond growing. Um, 
what's the um, what what is the uh, meaning of your yo having to look at the staff, having to tell that the staff came from an almond tree, and uh, not have just a clear thing, a branch of an almond tree? So, based upon what we said, that the meaning of the almond is that there should be a transformation of bitterness to sweetness. That's what almonds are. Then they're small. When they're small, they're bitter. When they grow, they're sweet. The, the idea of transformation of bitterness to sweetness is the same content of the same theme of the idea of a staff. So it's not only that uh, we have an almond tree uh, representing the speed of Hashem's words to destroy, the speed of the fulfillment of Hashem's words to destroy the base of Mignash. And not only does the almond also represent how something uh, bitter will be transformed to something sweet, how these days will become Yom Tevim, but this Hashem shows Yermiyo an almond staff because there's something about the meaning of a staff which has to do with transformation. So already, which is really amazing if you think about it, already when Hashem is telling Yermiyo the initial story about the destruction, about the destruction of Yisrael Migdash, Hashem is also talking to him about the coming of Mashiach. It's, it's the same message. In our experience, these are two completely different messages. There's the message of destruction, the message of the promise of Mashiach. But by the Abisha, by Hashem, it's all the same message. It's all about Mashiach. There's a similar idea in um, Parshas Vayeshev. It says in the Torah that uh, Yaakov lived in tranquility. Yaakov dwelled. And the Talmud says, Yaakov desired to live in tranquility. And Hashem responded to him, it is not sufficient for the righteous, the world to come. They want tranquility in this world as well. And as soon as God said that, he had the trouble with Yosef. The way you read this story on the surface, it sounds like the Abish is like really mean. Like Yaakov has he's trouble with Esav and trouble with Lavan and trouble his whole with Dina. His whole life he just have one calamity after another. And then he finally wants to relax, and God sends the biggest one after him. He wants he sends the biggest trouble. He sends a trouble with Yosef because he's straight, he cannot see his son for twenty two years. So the that's the way the Medish sounds like like it's it's saying, but actually um, the Rebbe explains that the the words of Medish are not meant to be read, read as a question. Hashem is saying incredulously, is not sufficient for you the world to come. Rather, Hashem is saying as a statement, it's not sufficient for you the world, the, the world to come. It, 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 it's, it's not, you don't want to have the world to come. Your goal, Yaakov, Hashem says, I know, is not that you should have pina coladas and ganet. It's not that you should enjoy a tesis and a ramam and a maimon and I know that you, you want is the ultimate peace, the peace of the Gula. The peace of the Gula. oh, you want Mashiach to come? For the Mashiach to come, there has to be the trouble with Yosef. It's not sufficient. In order to reach the, the, the coming of Mashiach, it's not sufficient. It's not, it's not going to work just with the, with the trouble you had till now. To get, so you see by the Abishur, this, this calamity is, is, is part and parcel of the, of the Geula. So, it's, it's, uh, so now we have to figure out, in, in regards to the staff, how does the staff emph- uh, 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 represent the idea of transformation of bitterness and sweetness? So to explain this, we'll look at the two names um, or the uh, there are two names Jewish people are, are referred to as in this week's Torah portion the Jewish people are called the matais, the staffs in general though whenever we talk about the Jewish people we talk about the twelve tribes the Hebrew word for tribe is shevet shevet does not mean a staff, shevet means a branch what's the difference between a staff and a branch. The difference is, a branch is pliable, it's soft, it's, it's, it has moisture in it, and it's still getting nourishment from the tree. 
and even if, after it's taken off from the tree, it's still a branch is still moist because because it, it, it's it's fresh, freshly taken off. The tree. It it's it hasn't yet hardened, hasn't yet dried out. But a staff is same piece of wood after it's been cut off from the tree, and it's it, now it's dried up, it's lost its moisture. But because the the staff has lost its moisture, it's gained something else. What has it gained? It's gained that has become a staff. It's now something strong. So in a similar way, in our lives, our, what this represents is, the meaning of branch is how we are still attached to our source. That, that, that refers to the time of the Beis HaMikdash, when Beis HaMikdash is standing, all the Jewish people are living in Israel. They're attached to their source. We're able to not just physically bow down to Hashem like we can on Shoshan and Yom Kippur, but we could also bow down to Hashem with a real sense of like total devotion to Hashem. So it's called in Kabbalah, Ilona de la the tree, the supernal tree. At that time, at the Beis HaMikdash, we are attached to our source, we are the tree. The staff represents our current situation in the exile, where we do not see a direct connection to our source. We don't see godliness in the same way that we saw in the Beis HaMikdash. There are many challenges and concealments that Hashem and difficulties that, that Hashem sends our way. But it's specifically because of these challenges, something else emerges that wasn't there before. Well, you, well, you don't see as much of Hashem in the exile as you did in the time of Beis HaMikdash. You don't see as much of Hashem's miracles. But you do see a lot more of the Jew. <clears throat> in other words, you saw, you saw a lot, lot less of a Jew when the Beis HaMikdash was standing. You saw the Abishur reveals himself, and we are just swept away by the by the, the incredible revelation of Hashem. You, you saw the Abishter, and you were just taken by the experience. So you didn't see so much of what we could do or who we are, but you saw a lot more of who Hashem is. In the exile, on the other hand, you don't see so much of the revelation of Hashem. On the other hand, you do see a lot more of what, who a Jew is. You see the power of a Jew, how the Jew is able to overcome all limitations and all the obstacles and, and, to, and, and to be victorious over them. <clears throat> I saw a letter of the Rebbe yesterday. Chaim. It writes to someone, you should win your Yitzhahara, you should, you, should, you, should, you should do this again and again until you win the Yitzhahara. Until you win. So there is, everyone knows themselves, their own obstacles, their own challenges that, that, that the Gullus, the Mashiach comes, that we're challenged with. So what we, we lose is we lose our, our staff, we lose our branch-like attachment to the tree in Golas. On the, on the other hand, what we gain is that we're able to reach the coming of Mashiach. When Mashiach will come, we're not just going to have a sweet time. Hashem is going to transform the bitterness of the Golas to sweetness. That's accomplished by our present state in the exile. So that's why Hashem showed Jeremiah, Yemiyahu, a staff, the, the emphasis of the staff was to tell him that in order to transform the bitterness to the sweetness, there's something you're going to need. You're going to need resilience. You're going to need, you're going to be, need to be like a staff. In order to transform the bitterness to sweetness, you're going to have to be like a staff. The, the power that's alluded to by the staff, the staff, the strength of a staff, is also connected to the, um, the speed of the fulfillment of the prophecy. 
the idea of the almond, which is speed, and the idea of the staff, which is resilience and strength, have a relationship. Resilience and, and, and alacrity have a connection. And that's why Hashem showed Yirmiyot a almond staff that, because there's a connection between these two concepts, the staff element and the almond element are, are, are the same. How so? The Alter Rebbe says about the um, staff of Aaron that we learned about a few weeks ago, the staff of Aaron, that when those who challenged the Kohuna, they challenged Moshe Beno choosing Aaron as the high priest, so in order to defend and prove that Aaron was indeed meant to be the high priest, God told every leader of every tribe to take their staffs and bring their staffs to the, uh, to, to the ark and place it next to the ark. And the miracle happened. And what happened with Aaron's staff? His staff was trans- blossomed and grew almonds overnight. Why did it grow almonds specifically? So it says that the reason why Aaron's staff blossomed specifically with almonds, I mean, it grew very quickly, even more than a regular almond, but it grew into almonds specifically because there is, there are two different ways the divine um, effluence, the divine flow comes to this world. One is that through customs, one is through angels at every single stop along the way, questioning whether or not we deserve this divine benevolence or not. Then there is the power of the coin. The coin is able to bring down Hashem's blessing from heaven, go swiftly to the world without any challenge, without any back and forth. That's the um, that's the power of, of a coin's blessing. So the Alter compares it to a river. That when the river, when you have a, a river with a strong uh, current, it won't be instead of of, of anything in in, in the, uh, the st- wood or stones or whatever it is in, in the river. It will it will push them along. It won't it won't it won't it won't, it won't be delayed by the by whatever it's put in the river. So the swiftness in the story of Aaron is related to the incredible power of the divine flow. Because Hashem really wants to give us something, there's an, there's an abundant kindness of Hashem that's revealed through the blessing of a Koyin, that's why it doesn't get delayed in, in through the various stages. In other words, when the kindness of Hashem is limited, so then it can be challenged with logical reasons why we do or don't deserve the kindness. There could be discussion about it. But when there is like this incredible, like Hashem, so to speak, is... is, is, is uh, expressing this this incredible love for us, this incredible kindness for us that he can't contain himself, so to speak. So then it just flows down to the world without any, without any limitation whatsoever. It goes, it goes, it, it, you can think about this in, you know, with your own people in your life, you know, when you want to give someone something and where it's coming from. You know, how, how much do you want to give? When it comes from a real sense of, uh, of, of a real deep love, so then, so then you, you go right out and you, you go and you don't push it off till the next day. So, um, the, the, the words of the Shalah are very, uh, the Shalah says that whenever you hear a Torah portion, a certain time of the year, that Torah portion has a relevance to the uh, holidays of that time. So like Hanukkah is associated with Vayeshev and Mikates, and the three weeks are also associated with the parashas that you read during these three weeks. So there is a connection between the name of the parsha and the name, which is Matis, and the theme of the three weeks. The theme of the uh, almond staff 
is the power to transform something negative to positive. So that has three elements in the six Torah portion as well. The idea of transforming negative to positive, we, ha- we have in the six Torah portion. We have the idea of vows. We have the war against Midian. We have the story of the children of God and Reuven. What's the idea of a vow? When do you make a vow? You make a vow when you feel you're being challenged by something. What's the idea of annulling a vow? The annulling a vow means that you feel that the thing that challenged you before is no longer a challenge. You're able to transform whatever it was and use it for holiness. So when you are in need of a vow, you haven't yet reached that sense of that, that strength that will allow you to use whatever it was to, for Hashem. You need to stay away from it. But annulling a vow is that you're able to now take that same thing that challenged you before and now use it for, for, for good. So that means you've reached a higher level. You've transformed that bitter situation you were before to sweetness. And that's the connection between the parasha of the Dharam to Matis, because in order to, the goal of, the goal of making the vow in the first place, which is, which is so that the vow should be annulled, is how do you get that power? It's through the idea of a matis, it's through the idea of our, our resilience to transform the, the speed of the darkness of the world to the light of Hashem, to s- transform that speed of, of running after things in the wrong way towards the light of holiness. Same is also the war against Midian. The main discussion in this Victoria portion is not the actual war, it's about koshering things and dividing the spoils. The goal of the war is not just that to eradicate the clip of the evil of Midian, rather the goal is to transform and use the spoils of Midian and that they should, the spoils of Midian should be a gift for Hashem. In a similar way, the story of the end of the parish, or yesterday's Chumash, uh, where Moshe Rabbeinu was speaking to the children of God and Reuven, and they tell Moshe Rabbeinu, we want to stay over here in the lands of Sichon and Oik. We don't want to travel across the Jordan and join you in Israel itself. We want to be across the Jordan over here, which is also, which became technically part of Israel, but it's not the same sanctity as across the Jordan. And, they want, and Moshe Rabbeinu responds very angrily to them. This is what your forefathers did. This is what the spies did. They didn't want to go to Israel. What's going on? And they responded to Moshe Rabbeinu, no, 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 we're not trying to shirk our duties. We're, we're, we are, that's what we intend in the first place. We want to join the Jewish people first at war, and then we're going to come back here and, and settle in this land. So the spiritual reason they wanted to stay across question, the Jordan... Question on that. Well, hold on, let me just finish. The reason they, want, they wanted to stay across, across the Jordan was because they wanted to be shepherds. And in order to be a shepherd, it's a lot easier to be a shepherd when you're not dealing with all kinds of, kinds of worry. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu was like, your brother's going out to war. You don't want, you don't want to deal with a war, a war against, um, the, 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 against the, the evil in the world. You want to stay here and be shepherds? Hashem wants us to. You want to run away from the world? So they told they, they, Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, if you'll fight the war first, then you can come back here. So, so what happens is that they actually are successful. And they take the areas which are meant to be uh, the lands of Sichon and meant which were ordinarily lands of Klippa, lands of opposite of holiness, and they transform them to holiness. They trans- transform the bitterness to sweetness. And that's why you read this in, the, in these three weeks to tell us that the goal of these three weeks is to transform the bitterness and sweetness and to make these uh, days to become days of Yom Tevim. Yes, Rebbe, what's your question? Comment. Firstly, no bitterness. No bitterness at all to turn into sweetness. Just all sweetness. I mean. Um, it's a lot of psukim and repetition that Moshe goes through 
to address his concern to to these leaders and why couldn't you just ask him like simply like what do you guys mean exactly but like immediately gets angry obviously like the whole angry rashi and etc etc but it's it's like repeats the whole story and everyone died and everyone this and you're like what do you and it just seems very into detail to address their their want when it could have been much shorter it's it's a good question. Maybe we'll go into it. Maybe tomorrow we'll learn about it. There's a lot of layers to that to to to, to the story. Um, not 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 all, all agree that that was their original intent. But we'll, we'll maybe we'll talk about that later this week. But I, one more so one, one point I want so one, one point I want to mention before we we, we we break for the day is that the names of the cities of Sichon Negitzchak were names that had to do with idol worship, and they were transformed to uh, to holiness. Again, we see the idea of transformation of negative to sweetness. And that's through resilience, and that is what brings speed. When you have resilience, it makes you get up and get things done. All right, have a great day. Thank you very much.